You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. How's everybody doing today? It is so good to see you guys. This is one of the great churches in the great state of Texas. You are a part of a great community here. Do you love this church? Come on, I love this church. Every time we come, it just gets better and better. Um, I'm excited to be here. My wife, Anne Marie, as well. We, like, like Braden was saying, we've, we've known Braden and Leanne for a long time, and uh, they're kind of those lifelong type of friends, and I appreciate them so, so much. I appreciate Pastor Cody as well and the whole team. Can we just give honor to all the pastors and the staff of this amazing church? I'm excited to be here and share with you guys today, and uh, especially because LA, things are still a bit crazy in LA, so I was just pumped to come to an, into a room where I can see smiles, because we're all still wearing masks in LA, so it's just nice to see smiles again. This means the world, and, uh, and I love, man, every time I come here too, I swear I gain like five pounds in 24 hours, because food is bigger and better in Texas. It seems like the portions here of the food is just blows my mind. And uh, it's so delicious, and, and Braden and Leanne always treat us really well with, with food. I, I love Tex-Mex, and I love barbecue. And I'm going to preach quick so we can all get to lunch. Does that sound good, Jose? All right, that sounds good. Um, I just, my, my friend Jose here, he's been on so many Zooms with me in this last year, Bible studies I lead, and I met him in person for the first time today. It was just this amazing moment when you go from meeting somebody on Zoom to meeting somebody like, you're a real person. I'm in Midland, and you're in Mid. let's do this. So um, I'm pumped to see friends and Brody and I, so many of you. I love you guys, love this church, and um, really feel honored to share a word with you today. So we're going to go to John chapter 5, and I'm going to read a brief story about a miracle that Jesus does, and um, I want to title this message today, Waiting at the Water, Waiting at the water. And maybe you're in a waiting season right now. Maybe you're waiting for a miracle. Maybe you're waiting for a new job opportunity. Maybe you're single and you're waiting for your future spouse. Don't raise your hand. But um, maybe you're, you're in a season of believing God for something. And uh, I just believe that God's going to speak to every single one of us. And he is the God of miracles. And today could be your miracle moment with Jesus. Do you believe that, church? Come on. I believe it. John chapter 5, it says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him saying, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Wow, what an amazing 
miracle story we see here in Scripture. I'm just going to pray one more time. Jesus, we thank you so much for your presence here today, these moments we have with community and with this church family. God, I pray you'd speak to every single one of us today and that you'd meet us in, in these moments and do a miracle in our lives. God, we thank you that you love us, Jesus, and nothing ever changes that. And your love and your grace is for every single one of us today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. How many of y'all grew, grew up doing sports, playing sports in school? Yeah, a lot. Okay, there's a lot, a lot of you, a lot of athletes in the room. I was one of these that I really wanted to be athletic. I was more into music. Uh, in school, and so played a lot of piano and guitar, and then in high school, I actually uh, played the clarinet in band. Any other clarinet player? Nobody wants to admit they were a clarinet player, because it's not the coolest instrument. And so by sophomore year of high school, I realized I eventually wanted a girlfriend, so I switched to the saxophone, because that's a sexy clarinet, is what a saxophone is. You know, is that all right to say? <laughs> so I, I, I was more of a music guy, but I... I still wanted to do sports, and I just was like, man, I want to do something. And so I realized logically that the easiest sport for me to participate in was track. And let me explain to you my logic and reasoning here. Because with soccer, you have to run a lot, but you got to be good with your feet, and you got to pass, you got to kick, and you got to do all these things. With, with football, you got to run a lot, but you got to be able to catch a ball, throw a ball, block, run routes, the whole thing. With basketball, you got to run a lot, but you got to be good with dribbling a ball and making passes and shooting it into the hoop. But with track, all you got to do is run. You just, if, if you can run, you can do track. You, you see what I'm saying here? So I was like, I might not be coordinated with all the, the football and baseball and all these other sports, but, but I know how to run. And so um, I remember, yes, I mean, at track meets, man, we just circle up as a team with the coach. And this is what the huddle looks like with the coach. He's like, okay, team, I want you to go out there today and I want you to run. All right, break. You know, it's like, I mean, that's it. And so I remember my first track meet. I'm out there. This is ninth grade, man. This is back in the early 90s. My mom was in the stands with the camcorder on her shoulder. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. VHS tape popped in the side of that bad boy. It was like 50 pounds, you know, but she's recording her son. And I'm out there and I'm running the 400 meter just one time around the track. Seems simple enough. And I was nervous, but I was pumped. I feeling confident. And I, okay, I'm going to run. This is, I'm going to be an athlete. This is my thing. I'm going to be an athlete. And so I got out there and the gun went off and I took off and gave it everything. I mean, just full on sprint and it's all out. And I'm going around that track and I'm out in front of everybody else. And I remember 200 meters into it halfway through, I thought, I'm an athlete. I'm an athlete. This is it. This is my sport. I could have a future in running. I'm a runner. I'm a runner. And I came around the bend. I had 100 meters left. And at about 100 meters left, my lungs are on fire. Come on, I got any runners out there know what I'm talking about. My legs feel like jello. I look down. They're still moving. I don't know how they're moving, but they're going. And I'm just exerting every muscle, every fiber of my being is being put into this race. And then something happens that had never happened to me before in my life. All of a sudden, as I'm looking down the track, I have less than 100 meters and I see the finish line. But every, all of a sudden, everything starts to get dark. 
And I thought, what's going on? Is there some solar eclipse happening? What is happening? This is crazy. And, and, and I didn't know what was going on. I've never passed out before in my life or had anything like this happen before. And it gets, all of a sudden, it just gets darker and darker. And now all of a sudden, I just see this tunnel of where the finish line is. And I'm like, what? For a moment, I thought maybe Jesus is returning in this moment. And then, you know, I'm only in ninth grade and I'm like, no, Jesus, don't come back yet. I need to win this race. And I'm still a virgin. It's not time to come back, Jesus. And so I'm like going as fast as I can. I got 50 meters, 30 meters, 20 meters left. And this tunnel gets smaller and smaller until I'm right up 10 meters left to the finish line. And before that tunnel closed into complete darkness, I did the only logical thing I knew to do. And I leapt through the air like Superman to across that finish line and I blacked out, I passed out and just hit the track. And my coach came down and I woke up like moments later and he's like, you okay, are you okay? I think you passed out. I was like, I, oh, I think I passed out, yeah. I'm like, but I won, right? He's like, you missed it by about five feet, buddy. It's right there, right there. Oh, thanks guys for having me. I'm going back to LA. Um, that was the end of my athletic career or aspirations. I did finish the track season, but I never got first place. And I, I remember though in that moment thinking, man, it's hard to get first place at something, to be first at something, to be the best at something, right? It amazes me, athletes or people in industry or people that are at the top of their game that are the best at things. It's a really hard thing to be, be first, get the medal, get the trophy, get the award. And I say that story because we popped into this story today about a man that was lying by a pool and he had a, an infirmity for 38 years. And there's a lot of people waiting around this pool because this particular pool, at a certain time, it said the angel, an angel would come and stir up the water and only the first person in, first place, gets healed. First person in the water gets healed. Everybody else has to wait. They gotta wait again until next year or to whenever the water gets stirred up again. Can you imagine waiting for 38 years for a miracle to happen? I don't know about you, but I don't want to wait 38 seconds in front of the microwave while I'm heating up some food, right? Anybody else impatient? I don't want to wait 10 seconds to have my Wi-Fi connect when I'm in a new building. Like, I'm so impatient. This man's waiting 38 years. But what this man didn't know is this particular day, his life was about to change because it started like any other day. He's waiting by the water, focusing on the water. Is it going to be stirred up? I got to get in the water to get healed. But this particular day, there was a man that showed up named Jesus that was about to change everything. And could it be that today could be this kind of day for you where Jesus comes into your neck of the woods, comes into your cul-de-sac, comes into your life to do a miracle that you've been waiting for today? Have you been waiting by the water? We've all had moments waiting by the water. And what I love about this interaction with Jesus is I can imagine Jesus comes up and starts a brief conversation with the man, but the man's probably not even wanting to look at this Jesus, at this man who showed up because he's got to focus on the water because the miracle is, is over here when the water gets stirred up. And this man almost missed the person of Jesus because of a, a process. Because he knew this is the process to get healed. This is the way the miracle happens. And sometimes we get so 
connected to processes and methods and the way that God does something, but could it be that God might wanna do something brand new that he's never done before in your life today? Could it be that Jesus wants to do a miracle in a new kind of way? This man's focusing on the water because he's like, well, this is how I get to my miracle. Could it be that right now in this season of life, you have a process or a way that you think, well, this is how it's gonna work out for my life. This is how it's gonna work out for my job. This is gonna, how it's gonna work out for my future. But could it be that Jesus is the savior that loves to interrupt the process? He loves to interrupt your regularly scheduled program. You got plans, that's great. Jesus is about to mess up your plans. <laughs> the Bible says that man makes plans in his heart, but God is the one who directs the steps. You might have plans and that's awesome, but God says, you know what? I'm gonna actually take care of every step along the way and it might look a little bit different than your nice plan that you have. Your plan might be good, but good is the enemy of best and God's got something that's even greater than your good little plan for you. Will you allow a savior to interrupt your process? It's like, have you ever been in a room before and you thought you're by yourself and all of a sudden you realize wait, somebody else is in the room? <laughs> Some stealthy person's just in the room. You're like, whoa, I didn't even know you were there. I remember this last summer, two summers ago, um, my wife was staying at her parents' house and I was a few hours away and we were, we were apart for a few days, but I was missing her so much. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get up tomorrow morning. I'm gonna surprise her. She, she's just a couple hour drive. And so I got in my car early that morning. I'm gonna wake her up this morning. So I got in my car and drove a couple hours. And before I got to her parents' house, I just picked up some flowers and some donuts. Gentlemen, single guys in here today, write that down. Flowers, donuts, it's just that simple. It doesn't take a whole lot, okay? And I remember I got to the house and I knew that she was maybe just waking up because we'd been texting each other. And I was like, hope you have a great day. And I'm so excited because I'm like, she doesn't even know I'm here. And, and so we're literally texting as I'm going, sneaking into the house and I go up to the room where she's at and I walk into the room and I see an all too familiar picture because all I can see is a bunch of pillows and I see her arms with her phone above the pillows. Because let me tell you, th this is my world. I, our, our, our bedroom situation, I need one pillow and I'm good. Just give me a pillow, give me a blanket, and that's all I need. My wife, though, prefers three to five or so pillows. She needs a couple for her head. She needs to make sure her legs, you know, knees can't touch. If she goes, she needs the leg pillow, the body pillow. She needs another one for the other side in case she rolls over. There needs to be a pillow there. I call it the pillow fortress. My wife builds a fortress of pillows in the bed situation. And so every once in a while, I'm like, I gotta storm this fortress and see my girl. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like, where are you at, girl? <laughs> Can I get? <laughs> and so, um, sorry, Texas ain't ready for this LA guy, you know, but um, I'll let you take it up with email Braden if you don't like what I'm saying. <laughs> but, um, but there she is and she's texting on her phone. And the funny thing is she was texting me. I feel my phone buzzing and she's literally still texting me. And I'm in the room and I got the flowers and the donuts and I walk up, she still doesn't know I'm there. I finally get up so close that I can see her face and where she could see me, but she's still looking at her phone. She told me later she thought it was just her dad kind of walking in the room and you know saying good morning, but she was just finishing a text. And I'm, I'm finally like there, so it's like 10, 15 seconds had passed and I'm just like standing there waiting for him and she doesn't see me. And finally I'm like, Hey, and she goes, ah, you know, I'm like, donuts, flowers, <laughs> I'm here. She goes, what are you doing here? But it was this moment where she didn't realize that I was in the room, and yet she was communicating with me over text, and I wonder if there's moments where we limit God to spaces and places and don't realize that Jesus 
is actually with us wherever we go. The person of Jesus isn't limited to a 90-minute experience on a Sunday in a church building, but guess what? He's in the car with you as you head home. He's with you while you go to work. Our life is not split up into sacred and secular moments. No, we are spiritual beings. Everything we do, whether you're working at a coffee shop all week, guess what? You could, that can be worship to the Lord while you're making coffee for people, Jesus is with you. While you're at your job and your office, Jesus is with you. When you're at school, Jesus is with you. He's with you wherever you go. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And this Jesus is the one who doesn't want to be limited by processes. And I think sometimes we think, I know if you're like me, I, I kind of like processes. I'm thinking, well, I got to get this mirror. I got to get this thing in my life. And so I need to do better. And okay, if I, if I keep going to church and keep paying my tithe and I gotta, I gotta go to the Bible studies and I gotta, man, I gotta learn these songs. There's a lot of words to these songs and I gotta, I got a brand new Bible for the new year and I'm gonna mark up the Bible. I'm gonna make it look like a coloring book. I'm just gonna highlight passages. I don't even know what's talking about. Haggai, what is that? It sounds like a disease, but I'm gonna just highlight these, these minor prophets and figure stuff out and I'm just gonna get in more. And listen, all these things are good, but the problem comes when we think that it's about our performance is what brings the miracle. Our performance is what brings the goodness of God. Well, now, God, I deserve this, this new job I've been praying and believing for. I deserve the spouse I've been believing for. God, I deserve this miracle I've been believing for. When did we, when did we think that the process is above the person of Jesus? That Jesus interrupted, when he came on the scene in the New Testament, he interrupted this whole process of the Old Testament of, of law and works and all these things to say, no, 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 it's no longer about this. There's a new covenant now. It's not about our performance, but it's about his performance on the cross. It's not about what I can do. It's about focusing on what he's already done for me. It's not about what I deserve anymore. Grace came and interrupted all this. Well, I, I deserve this because I did this. No, grace says Jesus came and met you at your worst point when you didn't deserve any blessing, when you didn't deserve any miracle, when you didn't deserve any salvation, salvation. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, while we were still worthless, while we were in our worst place, that's when Jesus met us. He doesn't meet you when you get all dressed up and, and feeling like you're at your best. And while well, I'm at church now and I'm talking like a Christian and I'm friends with the pastors. And so now, I'm, no, he meets us at our worst place, our messiest place, our, the place when we don't got it figured out. Jesus knows the good, bad, and the ugly about all of us and loves us in spite of that and wants to meet us in spite of that. Let's let Jesus interrupt these processes. Come on, somebody. He comes and he interrupts the process. This man had a method. He's like, well, gotta, the water's got to get stirred and I got to get in the water first and that's how the miracle's going to happen. Jesus is like, no, I'm about to do something. I'm about to do a new thing. I'm just declaring that over somebody today. I'm about to do a new thing for you. Not like the way that you thought it was going to be. And the reality, what we see from this is we realize that change is not about the external. It's not about the water. Change is more about the internal. Because next to this man, as he's looking at the pool water, was living water. See, in John chapter 4, the, the chapter right before this, Jesus has an interaction with a woman a Samaritan woman at a well. 
And they start having a conversation about water. He asks her for a drink. And then all of a sudden in verse 14, he says, actually, if you knew who was asking you for a drink right now, you'd know that I have water that's living water. You'll never thirst again, the kind of water that I have. And she's like, well, I think I need some of that water. Jesus referenced himself as being living water right before, chapter right before this passage. And now here he is doing a miracle at a place where there's water. It's if to say that sometimes we focus and we think that the miracle is all about the external circumstance. Well, if this thing can change in my life, well, if this, if, if I can just move to this city, if I can just get this job, if I can just get this kind of person, if I, man, if I was just born into a different family, if I could have just this amount of money, if I could be, and we focus on the external when what Jesus wants to do is the internal. It's not about the stirring of the water, it's about living water getting on the inside of you, right? See, sometimes we go through storms. Y'all been through some storms? I know I've been through some storms. And we're waiting and waiting and waiting. Jesus, calm the storm, calm the storm. Guess what? Sometimes he will calm the storm around you. But a lot of times that storm continues on for a while and it's not about him calming the storm out here. It's about him calming your heart while you go through the storm. Sometimes he, he, he changes things externally, but a lot of times he, what he wants to do is change things on the inside so you can have a peace that surpasses all understanding while you go through a storm. That's what's gonna preach to your coworkers. That's what's gonna preach to people in your neighborhood is when they know the diagnosis that you got, that you know that they know about you losing your job. They know about the divorce. They know about the mess that you've been through and yet you got a smile on your face and it doesn't make sense why you have a smile on your face and they're like, hey, I know the storms you've been through the challenges you've been through. How are you smiling right now? And you say, you know what? It's a mess out here. There's a storm out here, but God's given me a peace that transcends my understanding. It doesn't make sense in the natural, but he's given me a peace and the joy on the inside. It doesn't matter what kind of hell I'm going through. Yea, though I walk through a valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear any evil because God is with me and he is doing something on the inside of me. He's living water. He's living water on the inside. I know for the longest time in my life from the moment my parents split up when I was a kid and all through my teenage years, all the way up to when I was 20 years old, I was so upset with my dad and this man who walked out on our family and didn't want anything to do with me or my sister and I had all this bitterness and anger in my heart for 15 years. And I remember justifying it and thinking, well, you know, as soon as my dad comes and apologizes for all the pain and all this stuff, then I'm gonna forgive him. Then maybe, maybe I will love him, maybe, maybe. And I remember I had, a, I had an encounter at 20 years of age with Jesus. And Jesus began to talk to me about my relationship with my dad. And I started to reason with Jesus. You know when you have those conversations, well God, this is how it's gonna happen. You know, like I'm telling God how it's gonna, my dad's gonna, you know, he needs to change of heart and he's gonna come and say, I'm sorry, son, and then maybe there's gonna be this forgiveness moment. And I remember the voice of the Holy Spirit in my heart saying, is your, is your freedom from this anger and unforgiveness really dependent upon another man? Is it really dependent upon external circumstances? I, is your change really dependent on somebody else changing? Or do you wanna be free right now? And I was like, well, Jesus, I wanna be free right now. Well, you can be free right now. But it's not about another man's actions, whether he decides at some point to change or not change. 
It's about releasing forgiveness in your heart right now based on the forgiveness that's been given to me for everything I've ever done in my whole life. The debt that's been canceled that Jesus now gives us the power and the strength to cancel the debts of others. And I had this miracle moment in my life where I was set free from anger, resentment, bitterness, from years and years and years of pain. But for so long, see, I, I was waiting by my pool for 15 years. My pool was my dad. Well, as soon as my dad gets stirred up and changes, cool. Then that's the miracle. But then I encountered living water and I realized I was looking in the wrong place for the miracle. I was looking at the external water, but I had my miracle right here next to me. And the power and the presence of Jesus in my life. And you know what I love that really impresses me the most about this passage, really perked my curiosity, is the brief conversation they have when Jesus says, he asks them one question. He says, do you wanna be made well? Which Jesus does this a lot, which is kind of a funny question. You know, Jesus goes up to blind people, do you wanna be, you wanna see? You know, it's like, uh, what do you think? You know, I would be so sarcastic. I would be the worst person to be asked. <laughs> Who are you? No, I wanna stay blind the rest of my life. You know, get out of here, right? Jesus is like, do you wanna be made well? And you know what's amazing? You'd think that just would evoke a simple, yes, yes I do. That's not what this man says. You know what he does? He starts making excuses. He says, well, I have nobody, when the water's stirred, I have nobody to put me in the water and so I can't get, I can't get my miracle because Every time it happens, somebody else gets in front of me, somebody faster than me because I, clearly, I can't move my legs, I'm confined to this mat here, I can't get in the water. He immediately makes excuses. And you know what I love about this? Jesus acts as if he doesn't even hear the excuse. I'm glad I'm not Jesus. If, if I've been Jesus in that moment, he said, well, I can't get, you know, I said, do you wanna be made well? Well, I can't get in the water. Okay, I go to the next person. Do you wanna be made well, <laughs> right? This shows us how good and loving and gracious our Savior is. And it also shows us that our excuses to God, they might limit us, but they don't limit Jesus. Jesus wasn't phased by this. It didn't limit the miracle. The miracle still happened. Have you had excuses before? Have you had those conversations? Well, God, this is why this can't happen. This is why this can't happen. This is why this can't happen. And we're sitting there and like reasoning logically, telling, giving God a list of things of why a miracle can't happen. We're talking to the one who created the entire universe in six days and breathed out stars and created the heavens and the earth and telling that guy that, oh, well, I know you did all that in six days, but you don't know my situation, God, right? Here's this man making excuses, but his excuses didn't limit Jesus. And Jesus acts like he didn't even hear it because the next thing he says is he just says, rise, take up your bed and walk. He says, rise. He tells this man to do something he hasn't done in 38 years, maybe never done in his whole life. You know, when you encounter Jesus, he might say something to you today, tell you to do something you've never done in your whole life before. Before I met Jesus, I had never experienced a life without guilt, without shame, without a heavy conscience. But when I, when I experienced the person of Jesus, he said, Elijah, rise. 
rise out of that shame you're feeling. I've wiped your sin away. And I walked different from that day forward. He said, Elijah, rise out of the depression that you've been going through, the cycles of depression in your life. Rise out of that, I'm giving you joy. Do I have depressed days? Absolutely. But that's not who I am anymore. Do I have anxious days, stressed days? Yeah, but that's not who I am anymore. That's not, that's not my anxiety anymore. It used to be, oh, my anxiety, my anxiety. Jesus is like, no, that's actually my anxiety. I took that at the cross and your anxiety became my anxiety. So you could actually be a person of peace because I'm the Prince of Peace that gives peace. And you cast all your anxieties and your worries and your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. I was carrying things. Some of us today have been carrying things that you were supposed to cast a long time ago. Guess what? Today can be your cast day. Today can be your day where I'm like, I'm, I'm done carrying something that Jesus already carried for me when he carried the cross all the way to Calvary. Some of us are living with things that Jesus died for. And you don't have to live with anything that Jesus died for and Jesus paid for. You don't have to live with any addiction that Jesus paid for. You don't have to live with any fear or insecurity that Jesus already took care of and carried on the cross for you. You don't have to carry any of that depression or suicidal ideation because Jesus conquered all the power of the enemy and death and hell and overcame the power of the grave for your life so that you could walk with the joy of the Lord and allow that to be your strength. Jesus said, it's time to rise. It's time to get up. And not only that, he said, I want you to take your bed and walk. Now, this part was interesting to me because I thought if I've been confined to this mat for 38 years and I can walk for the first time, I don't want to take up that mat. I want to burn the bed. I want to throw the bed off a cliff like I'm done with that. And I thought about this, and this is my take on this passage, is I think Jesus told him to take it up with him because if that man had walked back into town, he would have looked like any other man walking around. Wouldn't have stood out, would have looked like any other guy walking around. But a man carrying a bed, now people are gonna turn their heads and notice that. Yo, why's that guy carrying that bed? Why's that guy carrying that mat around? Wait, was that the guy that was at the pool for the last 38? There's no. See, he's, he's carrying his bed because his bed is his story. You've got a bed, I got a bed. We've all got a mat that we're carrying around, and it's your story. And maybe your story was a little ugly, a little nasty, kind of crazy. But guess what? The thing that once brought guilt to you now can bring glory to God. You don't gotta be ashamed of that. You don't gotta say, well, I don't wanna give the enemy any credit. No, it's not giving the enemy credit. It's actually doing the opposite. It's actually showing the world the redemptive, saving, miraculous power of what Jesus has done in your life. What Midland needs to see is not a bunch of pretty, beautiful, amazing, perfect people walking out of a church service like we're part of that Renew Life. No, they need to see that, guess what? I'm just like all y'all. I'm just like the rest of you. I'm just as broken and messed up with as many issues as the rest of you. The only difference is that Jesus encountered me in the midst of that mess. I'll talk to you about my weaknesses. I'll talk to you about my weaknesses so I can boast in the strength of the Lord that in my weakness, his strength was made perfect and he helped me out of this. Let me talk to you about my bed because it's going to give God glory. You've got a bed to talk about tomorrow when you get to work. You've got a bed to talk about this week when you come in contact with somebody, not about how perfect your life is, 
but actually the opposite, how much pain that you've been through in your life, but that Jesus has walked you through it and you're no longer doing life alone. You've got a Savior who's helped you through every season. We've all got a bed to take up and walk and show to others and show to this hurting world that's all still sitting on their beds. Could it be today? Could it be even in these moments right now that maybe you've been waiting by the water? Maybe you've been waiting by the water of opportunity, by the water of a needed miracle, a needed breakthrough, something to happen. And waiting is okay, but you need to know today that there's a savior, that he might wanna come just interrupt the process or how you think this is gonna play out and your timeline for how you think this is gonna play out. Jesus is meeting us at the pool today. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.